Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and terrific guy, Mike Tina, about what comics he would take into an alien invasion apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month or £30 a year, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics, Shift, Brawler and specials of Pat Mills' Space Warp. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Mike Tina. How's it going? Hey, great, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Mike. Um, and uh, how's how's the weather in, in wherever you are in the world? <laughs> West Virginia in the United States. Um, it is sunny. It is pleasant. No rain today. But the last three nice. or four days, we've had lots of rain. So Nice. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, no, we are just going through buckets of rain at the moment. It's insane. Um, this has been the wettest June and July uh, ever, <laughs> in in my memory at least. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm hoping that the sun is going to come soon um, from West Virginia, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I can't say the same about everyone out in the West, of uh, the United States right now. They're experiencing record highs right now. It's extremely hot where they're at. Um, I, I've talked to a few friends out that way right. and it's, uh, they're like, you know, 114, 115 degrees. And I'm just, I'm so glad I live in the mountains yeah, too much. and we, we, we get a nice cool yeah. breeze. <laughs> nice. Nice. That sounds good. Um, well, um, for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm just the writer. <laughs> like I like to tell people that a lot. Everybody, everybody <laughs> assumes I'm the artist, right? Me like, too. I'm, I'm just the writer. Um, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm the wallet, you know, I'm, I'm the bank. I, I fund the books and it's that nature. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I, I also produce books as well. So, um, uh, first and foremost writer been writing for about five or six years now. And, uh, just recently this past year started to fund other writers projects and helping get those off the nice. ground as well. Um, but um, that's that's primarily what I'd like to eventually move into is being more of a producer, um, but currently uh, definitely a writer. Nice. Um, and uh, with that in mind, you've actually got a, a project just launching on Kickstarter. Sure. Yeah, in two weeks. We're actually... It used to be two weeks. Now it's less than two weeks. It's eight days away. God, it just snuck up on me. Eight in yeah. eight days. And as as this episode goes live, <laughs> it will. Um, when this episode goes live, it will be live. <laughs> so everybody, go check this <laughs> That's out. That's right. Forgot about that. So yeah, uh, Midnight Highway number two. Um, and for everyone that missed out on number two, uh, we didn't leave you behind. You can still pick up number one on the campaign as well. But that launches on the fourteenth, um, and that's going to run for thirty days on Kickstarter. Excellent. And uh, I, I, I've read the first issue. It's fantastic. Um, a lot of fun and leaves on 
quite a bit of a an open ending um and i'm looking forward to to seeing what happens in issue two um but just for the for the listeners give us a flavor okay so i will say um it's a passion project i grew up loving uh the 80s i grew up in the 80s i was born in 84 so um you know young kid okay Okay, nice so you know (laughs) so we got to see it through a young pair of eyes right and so uh that influenced us and that probably left a mark on us more than the 90s did than the 2000s did so this midnight highway was co-created with uh my uh my my partner alex madey that could be on the show and it was designed to be an homage to all the great science fiction and horror films and TV shows of the 80s. So we wanted to make sure that we incorporated all the things we loved. Really, we, we discussed all the influences that we both individually had, the things that we both agreed were um, you know, paramount in the 80s. Um, we all had idols. We had John Carpenter that we absolutely loved, who had a really great streak of films in the 80s. Uh, Stephen King was a huge influence for us. Uh, we look back mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, just we start going through this list of horror films that we absolutely loved. And it just became this bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. So that's the backdrop of Midnight Highway. But the premise is, is it just follows a teenager named Alex who's uh, driving home from dropping off Kelly, the love of his life, um, and finds himself lost on a mysterious, endless highway shrouded in perpetual night. And he, here that he passes through so many wild, bizarre, terrifying, and humorous supernatural calamities that he must survive uh, in order to just make it back home, because that's all he wants to do. He just wants to get back home to his, you know, his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> totally, man. <laughs> and the, the, the art is fantastic as well. Yes. It really suits the story. Um, uh, tell us a bit more about that, that collaboration with, um, what was the artist's name? Alexander Malashev. And um, Hedwin Zaldivar's yeah. The Colorist. And then Dave Lentz's The Letter. And really, this I, 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 I'm, I'm right there with you on the art really being the foundation for this. We knew that when we were going to make this book, that it wasn't going to be a heavily text-driven story. That it was going to be told visually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, I would kind of compare this to in a lot of ways where it's, it's, it's <laughs> more about the characters that the main character experiences than the main character itself. Right. So the art team is going to play a huge part in that. And so Alexander Malshaev was the, um, uh, uh, the, uh, artist on the book. He has done a great job taking really what we had in the script as bare bone explanations and extrapolating on that and really coming up with some things to uh, give it more texture, more depth. So he's, he's been a great, great uh, contributor to the story, uh, not just laying down the art, but actually helping uh, mold and shape the look of Midnight Highway. And then Hedwin Zaldivar's colors are just... Um, <laughs> fantastic. Right? That's, I thought the, really well done. thought the same thing. I, when, we yeah. got, when we got our first few pages back, because we did them out of order. That was the thing. We didn't actually start on page one and then just start moving wow. through. Um, we had them do some test pages. Yeah. And some of the test pages they did were some of the bigger, you know, moments in the book. And when we got those, we were like, oh, right. gosh, you know. And then when we got some of the more simpler yeah. pages where nothing <laughs> happens, 
or it seems to happen. Those look great too. So we were just so, we were so pleased with Hedmond's mm-hmm. colors on the book and then wrapping it up with Dave Lentz's lettering. Um, uh, and he was a great contributor as well. You know, he would, he would question some dialogue choices. He was vocal. You know, he wasn't somebody that was just quietly you know, complying nice. and doing their job, right? He definitely stepped up and wanted to contribute mm-hmm. and make sure that we had a good, complete package when we released it. But his lettering work on that also was was pretty definitive as well. And that's something you can tell when an artist is proud of their work when they put it on their portfolio, yeah. right? And so all three of these artists Damn. did that. You know, it's it's permanently nice. on there. Yeah, so that tells yeah. you that they all were really proud of the work that they did on the book, and we are too. I'd also like to shout yeah, out to one more. They, is that whole creative? T- uh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, there's go ahead, there's one more. I'll, I'll tell you about too, uh, and that is we had a 3D version of the book uh, as well, mm. and it was all the whole book was done entirely in 3D, um, and that was wow. all uh, uh, that effect was implemented by another artist that I know locally whose name is Mateo Fuentes. And he's back for number two as well. So you can actually pick up an entirely, you know, basically a black and white version of the book with no text. It's just visually told. Kind of makes it feel like you're reading a different book in some ways too without the text on there at all. But all that 3D effect is throughout the whole book. And he did a great job with that as well. So I, I definitely want to give him a shout out. Fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, for, for issue two, is the whole creative team back yes. again? Yep. Nice. Excellent. Everybody back back, um, back once again for the Renegade Masters. Um, now, um, where can people find you online, Mike? So um, I am building an online store right now that's meant to be a permanent site for my own publishing brand. And that's not up yet. We're mm-hmm. looking to have that up after the end of the Kickstarter. Right now, the best way to find me is through Facebook. And you can commit, you can connect with me directly. I'm pretty good at responding to messages pretty quickly. Um, and it's just under Mike Teener. If you look me up, uh, you won't find many Mike Teeners. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll be at the top of that search. And then, um, same thing for Alex Madey. It's the best way to find him as well. Um, M-A-D-A-Y is how you spell the last name. And, um, we use that platform primarily. I just now jumped on Twitter though. And I saw that you started following me on Twitter. So thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just now. Hey, no worries. No worries. Every little helps. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but uh, yeah, all those links will be in the show notes. So folks, go check that out and go check out Midnight Highway um, as well. Um, and if it's if it's your cup of tea, make sure that you uh, drink it by backing it. So um, yeah, thank, thanks for uh, for creating a, a really cool cool story, Mike. I really appreciate that, and thank you for reading it as well. I, I really do appreciate that. We're really no excited worries. about this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Um, it, it, it looks like it's going to be quite psychedelic. <laughs> this this next issue is that is that probably a good description? I, I would say that you're 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 definitely right. And, and with you know, Excellent. we 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 know okay. that um, you know, I, I I keep pointing or going back to Alice in Wonderland with this. You know, we want there to be things that. Finger. You accept it the more time you spend in Wonderland, right? So same thing on the Midnight yeah. Highway. As time goes on, there's just going to be more strange and bizarre things that happen. And it, it'll it be very difficult nice. to predict what happens next just because of that. 
Nice. I like it. I like it. Excellent. Uh, now, that aside, unfortunately, I do have some bad news for you, Mike. Uh, and that is that there's actually been an alien invasion. <laughs> um, I'm afraid. Um, and my first question for you is, what is your action plan for survival in an alien invasion? So this is an excellent question. And there's a lot of different ways you can go <laughs> about this. But... Um, I kind of think of myself as methodical. I, I, um, I would probably kill one of the aliens, commandeer their nice. skin, and learn their ways. Excellent. <laughs> I, would, I would earn their trust, <laughs> Love become it. an ally, and then I would somehow exploit their leader for making uh, obscene comments about humans. I'd put them on blast nice. on Twitter and get them canceled. And then the aliens would leave embarrassed and ashamed. And then I'd become a national treasure. <laughs> Amazing. That, that would be my technique. That is brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. And then you end up on 60 Minutes or something like that. Oh, I'd have right? quite, a, quite a story to tell. You know, probably, probably need to be 120 oh, minutes, I think, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you'd end up in an Oprah interview. <laughs> Let's go with that. And, and, and say so on this Oprah interview, she, she, she gets into the nitty gritty of, um, of your comics career. Um, and she wants to find out more, um, for everybody to find out in the world after, after your heroic, absolutely heroic endeavors with taking down the entirety of an alien invasion. <laughs> and uh, the first question that Oprah asks you is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Oh, wow. So this is a tough question because it all blurs as a, as a child. Um, I grew up loving X-Men and Amazing Spider-Man. And I think those two right there were the pillars for me. But I do remember mm-hmm. as a kid coming across a couple issues of Ghost Rider where he teamed up with the X-Men or I think it was X-Men and Ghost Rider teamed up with them, but um, they took down the brood. And I wouldn't say that if if I'm thinking back, it's probably not like the greatest storyline. It's not flawed or anything like that. But as a kid seeing that, it was like, wow, there's this supernatural character, you know, merging with this more science fiction-y type, you know, heroic team. And it was kind of a cool way to see two characters, I guess like, you know, two franchises kind of merging like that. And it was my first time seeing that as a kid. So I, I had to like beg my mom to pick those up because she thought, I, you know, I shouldn't really read Ghost Rider because it's a flaming school and all that. So my parents were pretty, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they were pretty, uh, you know, uh, strict people. But uh, I, I managed to get both of those. And I remember reading them and just thinking they were so awesome. Nice. And how, how did you get them? Sorry. Did you just kind of manage to sneak off to a comic? So, shop well, or? you know, um, uh, for a lot of people, I don't know the age group of everyone that's listening here, but for you and I, um, comic books, you could find in the book sections in uh, grocery stores. They were, they right. were that comics nice. back then. Um, and, yeah. uh, I just came across it and saw it and I just like begged her, you know, I probably caused the scene in the grocery store, I'm assuming, but um that's that's I, even to this day that's how i get what i want is i kind of lay on the ground and scream until somebody buys yeah me toddler tantrum yeah yeah that does it yeah. <laughs> nice fantastic and so at this age where were you attempting to create your own stories at all i think every child does that right when we pick up action figures 
and, yeah. and we're playing around. We create our own yeah. stories and adventures. But I was a big illustrator as a kid. I did a lot of drawing, came up with my own character. Right. Uh, his name was Arachno Man, which, as you can imagine, was a direct rift of Spider-Man. But, you know, instead he was blue and yellow instead of blue and red. Sure. So, uh, ah, nice. <laughs> so the thing is, is, yeah, I always wanted to tell stories. But it wasn't, I didn't probably didn't want to start telling, you know, I don't know if I really considered comic book format until after I was in college because uh, I actually went to school and wanted to do film. And then I had a friend that introduced me to Walking Dead. And that's what mm. kind of made me realize that comics are more than just the superhero genre. And it yes. kind of opened up a can of worms for me. And I've been broke ever since. <laughs> that's so funny because it's a fairly similar story for myself regular listeners would have heard this story a fair few times but yeah walking dead um brought me into comics as well so that's funny both both born in 84 and both both brought it back into comics through the walking dead um fantastic um great uh so back to our oprah interview um she moves on to the next question, and that is, what's the funniest comic you remember reading? Okay, so it's such a great question, and I, you know, <laughs> so um, for me, Spider-Man and Wolverine are like that good cop, bad cop kind of duo. Um, I might say Spider-Man and mm-hmm. Daredevil are similar to that too, but um, in Ultimate Spider-Man, there was a two-issue arc where Spider-Man and Wolverine had a body swap. And um, I didn't realize how much I wanted that until I had it right in front of me. And Brian Brian Michael Bendis wrote the story for this. Um, And um, it's a goofy premise. It's a tired trope, but it definitely satisfied a curiosity. Like Logan, Logan had like Peter had to convince Logan who's in Peter's body to get to, to go to class because if Peter didn't attend class, (laughs) He was going to be expelled. You know, he was on his last, you know, chance to be absent or whatever. And he had to like beg and plead with Logan to get him to school. So um, the uh, having Logan uh, adapting to Peter's abilities, like, you know, he's sticking to everything and he's got the uh, spidey sense going off like crazy, which, you know, for somebody like Logan, that's kind of, you know, he's triggered constantly because of it. And he has to swing, he has to web swing at one point, which is a really funny uh, sequence there. Peter uh, on the other side of that is in Logan's body. And one of the things that Peter notices is just how much everyone stinks. Cause you know, Logan had that heightened sense of smell. So Peter's just course. making notes of like, yeah. my gosh, everyone stinks. Uh, so I, I thought it was just kind of like a funny <laughs> kind of, you know, good natured kind of uh, uh, humorous story arc that uh, was really well done. And, and yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. That's fantastic. Uh, now, uh, changing gears a little bit, uh, what's the saddest comic that you've read? You know, uh, Rorschach's death in Watchmen, I think that moment mm-hmm. was, because I, I, I remember having this conversation with people before, it, it's it's one of those situations where you're facing, you know, uh, if if we let him live, then the world's going to erupt into chaos. You know, um, it's been you know, foreseen yeah. by Dr. Manhattan. He knows he's seen the universe. He's seen, you know, everything that could possibly happen. Right. And this is what would happen if, if word got out about the truth without spoiling the watchman for anybody who's, who's listening. But 
Um, you know, uh, Rorschach's death <laughs> in, in Watchmen was definitely a very tragic ending and an emotional ending. And I think actually, too, watching the film, Jackie Earl Haley playing Rorschach did a great job of taking what was just a few panels in the book and making that yeah. a truly emotional mm-hmm. scene just through, you know, his performance. Yeah. I think he did a great job there, too. But that was definitely. I think he was probably the standout performance in, in that. He film. really was. He he really was. You know, and, and uh, I think it's Billy Crudup is how you say his last name that did. Uh, yeah, that's right. Doctor yeah. Manhattan. I think he did good too. So I think yeah. the fact that it was You're both right. of them yeah. in that moment was what probably mm-hmm. held that scene together as well as as they did. But yeah, that ending in the book was definitely a, uh, a difficult thing to uh, experience as you've been following that character through this entire story really and rorschach's been kind of like the moral compass for for this whole thing yeah and it's like well he's got to die (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah to keep the world together i can't can't let you go but i mean that goes down to no exactly and i mean that just goes down to the brilliant story storytelling um by by alan moore um and just like that difficult choice and you put yourself in that situation don't you yes like what would I have actually done, right? If I were in that situation, right? Because the the um, and it, it, you can't answer it, right? It's all yeah, instinctively you would, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, what would you do? Do you reckon, Mike? Oh man, or is it I, I think I probably would have let Rorschach go and hope that, yeah. um. You know, I <laughs> there's always the belief that we can change. So I, I think Rorschach just, you know, yeah. he it's a it's a great question. You know, I think I think for me, I, yeah, more time I spend with it, I might do what Doctor Manhattan did. But um, yeah, in the yeah. moment, and, it and that's the thing as well, because like when you're when you're um, Doctor Manhattan, you you know everything. Mm-hmm. don't you? you you know the consequences of this on a universal scale right. as well and so for i mean for him it's almost like an easy decision right. really right. um but uh yeah for you as a reader it's like you shouldn't take a life like to to save people right you know that seems ethically dodgy <laughs> I think I think uh, if you let people decide, you know, just tell them the truth. You know, if I've, I think in that instance too, yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. we could we could say, hey, listen, we have been hiding things from you, but here we're going to put it all out on the table for you. Here's what's been going on. Here's what's been happening. Here's what we're worried is going to happen, and then trust yeah. people. You know, um, and just go for the best, exactly. right? But yeah, definitely, definitely a sad moment. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, uh, what's the scariest comic that you've read? So, um, scary, horrifying. Um, the moment in um, Sandman, which I don't know if you've read Sandman. I'm, I'm hoping you have, but um, in the first trade or second trade, I think it's in the first trade, uh, Preludes and Nocturnes. Um, there is a scene where. Um, Dr. Destiny is in a diner and he's got the dream stone and he is making people tell um, secrets like, you know, dark secrets that they've been holding back. And there is this girl that tells the story 
about her um, being intimate with a dead body. <laughs> and it was like, it was, it was, <laughs> I know it was heavy. Cause like, you know, up until that moment, there were a lot of things you see in this book and same, man, I mean, you go to hell, you, you, you see all these tortured individuals. And then this of all things was the most disturbing thing was because of the way it was written and the way the character regrets it, but not for the ways that you would expect a human to regret it. And that was horrifically written to masterful detail by Neil Gaiman. I mean, he did an incredible job with that yeah. scene. And um, yeah, I, I think that really stuck with me um, since I read it. I was like, my yeah. gosh, I'm afraid of where this series is going to go. Because if this is early on what yeah. I'm experiencing, I just, what, what are the horrors await, really? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's kind of good uh, horror, I guess, isn't it? Is suspense. It is. And, you know, the anticipation and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, again, again, Neil Gaiman being an absolute master um, at storytelling. Um doing what he does best. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's a great example of it too. I don't think people often would probably think of that moment as one of the best things he's written, but for someone who appreciates being disturbed, uh, it got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Uh, now, uh, moving on to my favorite question and that is what's your favorite cover? God. So, um, there are a lot of great covers. Um, we all know that, um, I think, 100%. I think there's some that tell a really great story from the cover and there are others that just really mm -hmm. lay out the concept of the story through a cover. Um, and then there's some who just do something so simple, but brilliant. It just blows your mind. And like, I think Patrick Gleason's cover for amazing Spider-Man 55, the one was, I think last year. Um, right. I don't know if you saw that, but like he, uh, Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like people that don't even read Spider Man, don't even like Spider Man, bought that book, you know, because that cover is just a work of yeah. art. It's a, it's a it's a beautiful one, um, and just just to describe it yeah. quickly for the listeners, it's it's, it's basically Spider Man's um, head and kind of sh shoulders as well, just you know, with the spider web, basically. Yeah. Is that the best way to describe That's it? That's it. You just use use webbing <laughs> to illustrate all the line work for Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's like everything's done with Yeah. Webbing. Inside profile as well. Yeah, though. exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and like it's one of those covers, and it's not often this has happened, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, is this the first time this was done? Why didn't anyone think of this before? Yeah, because yeah, I know. It seems like it's like such an obvious idea, yeah, doesn't he's it? Been, the character's been around <laughs> for like, what, 60 years? All right, and just like when I saw that, I was just blown away. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" And I don't know if we realize how awesome that is right now because it's here now in the moment. But I'm pretty sure we're going to look back ten years from now, and people are going to be having you know people are going to get that tattooed on them. You know what I mean? Like that is that's an yeah. iconic image for yeah. sure. I think so anyway. So that's one. No doubt. Um, and then um, yeah, I wonder how he did it before we move on to the other one. I wonder. Do you know? I don't know. I follow him on Facebook. Yeah. You know, he's he's pretty interactive with uh, his followers and everything, mm. but um, he's not shared any yeah. process videos for that or anything. But he went on to do more. Like he did, yeah. um, I know he did a Venom version of it. Right. And uh, yeah, cool. so I'm sure there's probably something out there that kind of breaks it down. But, you know, I think, I mean, 
Honestly, you know, with some paper and a pencil, I mean, I'm sure he was just probably doodling and then said, holy crap, you know, I could do this, you know, and that was the end of it. Wicked. No, Uh, it's a fantastic (laughs) one. Um, And then your second one. Yeah, I have to pick another one there. Sandman number 20. I had to look this up because I could not remember what issue it was, but um, Dave McKean is like a he's a great partner for Neil Gaiman and he does, he did a lot of um, illustrations for Neil Gaiman, did a lot of cover illustrations, a lot of interior at different points, but this cover was the one that was really uh, definitive and I, I, it's hard to describe it. So I think that would be one I would just encourage people to look it up and just check it out because it really just embodies the vibe, the feel of a book um, without having anything that's very specific on the cover or distinctive. Mm-hmm. That is landmark, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just the combination of the elements and the, and really just the, uh, I guess the, uh, uh, the overall look and feel is, is why I really think that cover really, uh, sticks out to me. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly sticks out and kind of, it almost feels it disturbed yeah. <laughs> is, is one word that I'd, I'd use to describe yeah, it. Yeah, you know, he's got, it's, it's, it's so funny because at first you look at it and you have a dark feeling because that's the idea. But then as you start to look at the yeah. detail and, and just the amount of color that he's actually using and the way that he washes those colors together and, and, and what he chooses to illustrate and where the focus is. Uh, he's, he's a masterful artist, you know? Um, and that's, I think that's a great example of it is that, that cover, but there's several other pieces. I mean, please just go check out Dave McKean. If, if you have not, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's what I tell people all the time. That's stuff that you want to hang on your wall. Mm. Yeah. hundred percent. No, that's fantastic. Um, now, uh, moving on to another of my favorite questions, and that is, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Silver Surfer is my favorite character, probably my favorite Marvel character. And nice. I would say that there hasn't really been any stories that have come along that I felt were really um, definitive until I read Requiem, which um, I always I always screw up his last name, but Michael Straczynski, I think is how you say the last name. Um, but, uh, he, he did Requiem and it is, it is a, a great standalone story, um, that had this emotional, uh, crescendo, you know, I I never use that word, Uh, but it's like this, you know, it's just kind of a nice, it's nice to throw it. Yeah. It's just this, it's just this overarching journey that this character's had, you know, and, and it's, it's this whole thing is, you know, you know, for the people listening, it's the power cosmic, which is where the surfer gets his power. It's leaving his body and he's dying. And so he is going through a tour of the galaxy again, seeing all of his old friends, uh, tying up loose ends, um, really trying to just, um, you know, reconnect, you know, and it's a sad story, but it's a sweet story. Um, and it's just, it, it makes you realize how great of a character he really is um, and how he's not a, we don't, we don't look at him as a superhero. We look at him as more of a philosopher. And I think that was a great example of that was that storyline. 
Nice. Um, and what, why is it particularly meaningful to you? So I, I think it's the fact that he, even when Stan Lee was writing them, you know, just like his, you know, the, when Silver Surfer was first conceived and everything, you know, I, I don't think he's fully realized, you know, at that point, I think Jack Kirby drew him and then Stanley started to build a story around it. So, um, mm. the, um, but the thing is, is, you know, he was this character that always looked from afar and just pondered about, you know, why, why humanity was the way it was like, why do, why as mankind, why do we fight the way that we fight? Why are we so, um, why, why do we get so wrapped up in the small things and we forget to appreciate the bigger things? So it was a, it was just top down perspective that that character had. And then when you apply that to dying, um, I think that that really resonates with, I mean, all of us, cause we're all, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, going to pass one day. And yeah. I think the way that he looks at it and perceives it, uh, is very unique. And I think it's, it's just beautifully written. That's awesome, man. Um, and uh, for you, what's the most underrated comic? Man, I could list so many. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, and the problem is, is like you know, we can't read it all. I mean, if we did, that'd be great, but yeah. we can't read it all. And um, yeah. I wish it was like Pokemon. <laughs> I know we just can't catch them all. <laughs> I wish I didn't need to have a job and I could just stay home and read comics yeah. and stuff. But the thing is, is um, <laughs> One that I told a lot of my friends about, there's actually two, but one I'd really emphasize is East of West by Jonathan Hickman. Um, and if I'm <laughs> to, I can't, I can't break it down and explain it to you. That's the problem because it's, it's definitely a story <laughs> with a lot of world building, but it's, it's basically the premise is that the civil war never ended and that the United States was broken up into, oh gosh, is it six or seven? different nations. Um, mm. And um, so that's, there's that part of it, but then there's this other part where, um, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are involved with, you know, fulfilling their, their destiny of bringing about the end of the world. And so you follow a lot of different characters within this world already. And then you have death uh, who's definitely an appealing character. He's kind of like a gunslinger. Um, that's, um, you know, got his own, uh, 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 he's got a story, uh, that he needs to, uh, basically complete. And, um, I think what, what ties it all together is the, the way that the layers get pulled back, uh, gently over time. And, um, it's not all shoehorned in the beginning, uh, makes you kind of stick with the story. Jonathan Hickman's a great writer anyway. Um, but this, I think this was a great example of him without having any restrictions or, uh, influences from the outside. He, he really put together a really great story that I, I could go on for hours about, but, you know, just to, 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 to say, you know, anything to anyone about this, it's, it's, it's every epic saga that you've ever read. <laughs> like it's, it's all of that. <laughs> it really is. It, like you'll find influences from a lot of different things in there. It's unpredictable, like Game of Thrones. It's got Star Wars elements in there for sure. But it is, it is a great series that once you read the first trade, I think you'll be hooked and you'll read the rest. So that's one. And then the second one, I'll just I'll wrap up real quick. Is Seven to Eternity by Rick Remender. 
that's another really great one out there as well. Um, so definitely check that one out too. Nice. Um, and, and what's what's that one about? Sorry, quickly. Wow. Um, you know what? I will say very. Oh, it's one another yeah, one of those. Is it? <laughs> that's that's tough for me. I'm going to need some time on that one. Maybe I can come back to you with that one. <laughs> that one's difficult. <laughs> Excellent. But go check it out. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and uh, what what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Um. So, uh, I'm. I would say one that I even I haven't finished reading this series yet. Um, I've gotten distracted and I've started to read other things. And then sometimes you read a book and you don't want it to end. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah. It's kind of how I look yeah, at totally. I look at saga that way. Um, that mm-hmm. is, it's the right level of familiar and strange. I think uh, for someone who hasn't read comics before, uh, saga would subvert their expectations. It's probably the most exciting story yeah. about parenthood you'll ever read. <laughs> um, that's the way I could, I mm. can say, I, you know, at its core, it's, it's, it's really about parenthood, but um, my fiance introduced me to it actually. And um, uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of things that are special about it. One, I think it's unfilmable. Um, I think it was yeah. definitely designed to be told. It genuinely probably is yeah. one of the only ones that is unfilmable. Isn't yeah, it? I, I really think so. Yeah. I mean, like, even if it was animated, I, I don't know. I don't know how it would do. But, um, and, and I think that's why I would recommend it first as a comic book because I want that tells you something about it, right? It's certainly special because if mm-hmm. it can't be captured in another format, then that would definitely convince somebody that comics are viable because it only yeah. can exist in mm-hmm. that format, right? You know, that's the idea. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, kudos to a team in the future that actually makes this thing filmable <laughs> and, and can you can watch it and yeah. <laughs> uh, kudos to them. They, they've definitely pulled off some magic. But yeah, I, th- I think this is one that you would, I think, I think you could introduce that to a friend and they would just be like, what the heck? But they'll still read it, you know? That's that's yeah. kind of my perspective. I tell you, definitely. Um, and we're, we're yet to get a, a date on its continuation as well. Um, yeah, so they took a break. We'll I think they took a, it took like a year or two yeah. year break. And uh, I know it's coming back. Yeah. I remember hearing or reading. Yeah, about at some point. Yeah. So I know it's not over. Uh, a lot of great characters no. in that too. That's that's the other thing. I, I, I think if it ever did get transposed to uh, uh, film or television, um, it will be a, I think it will have mass appeal. Uh, I think that there's a lot of characters that mm-hmm. will, you know, have mass appeal for sure. Definitely. Um, and if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Sandman. <laughs> Hands down. Straight yeah. up. <laughs> it's just a work of art. Genuinely. Yeah. Um, it, I, I don't think there's for me personally, you know, I mentioned, you know, we both talked about, you know, Walking Dead was kind of the thing that kind of brought us in uh, to comics. But um, Sandman's the one that made me stay. And uh, nice. that was, um, I'm really nervous about the Netflix series. But, mm, but yeah, I'm, I'm, with Neil Gaiman's approval, that tells you something. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. But these comics were really really special to me and, and really influenced me a lot. So uh, I would definitely take that into the apocalypse. No questions asked. 
Nice. Excellent. And uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you? Okay. So, um, a weapon. Yeah. Um, so I could be boring, and I could tell you a bow. Um, <laughs> but that would just be... Um, I would take a bow because that would be pretty badass to uh, uh, to kill an advanced species who I'm sure are using laser rifles and all sorts of other advanced weaponry. To take yeah. them out with something as primitive as a bow would be pretty sweet. But honestly, um, if there was a tool that I was going to use, like a useful item, I would use a human decoy. I would find someone that looks exactly mm-hmm. like me and uh, impressionable uh, that I could tell them to stand here or there whenever I needed them to. I'm sure you can understand why that would be useful if we're trying to hide from aliens. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah, uh, definitely. maybe some pocket sand. Uh, maybe, you know, because I, I think everyone gets defeated by pocket sand. So you throw some sand in people's faces. I don't care what species you are. Exactly. You're going <laughs> <you're gonna> to be... <laughs> sand in your eyes. Yeah, it's, it's painful. Yeah, it's irritating. You can't see, you can't fight. <laughs> yep, there you go. So uh, <laughs> I, I think those would be some of the choices I'd probably... Uh, stick with (laughs) nice that's excellent superb uh well mike tina it's been an absolute pleasure finding your finding out your comics with the apocalypse (laughs) thank you thank you for the great questions appreciate you having me on absolute pleasure and for the listeners one more time uh where can they find you online and uh what um what project should they be backing on kickstarter right now (laughs) absolutely um you can find me on Facebook under Mike Tiener, um, one of the one of the few that exist, I guess. So it'd be easy to find me on there. I am on uh, Instagram as well. I didn't mention that before. It's uh, Mike Makes Comics. Um, those are the two primary handles that I'm using right now. And I've just started on Twitter under Mr. Tiener. Uh, it's M R and then T E N E R. And then you definitely, everyone listening, um, you have my permission to back the Kickstarter for Midnight Highway Two. I've already talked with your parents, and they said it's fine. Um, but and please pledge to the the highest tier, which is the two hundred dollar tier, so that way you get all the special cool stuff. But definitely back the book. We're nice. we're really excited about it, and uh, we we really want to entertain, and we think that we've really uh, accomplished that with uh, the second issue. So uh, please, please back that. Thank you. Superb, and of course, all the links from the show notes, folks. So go check out Mike's. Uh, social media channels and make sure that you go check out midnight highway number two um and uh yeah no mike it really has been an absolute pleasure and uh hopefully our paths will maybe cross at a con um in the in the near future i would love that look forward to it totally do you, do you ever head up to new york comic con or anything like that <sighs> no i have a lot of friends that are rubbing it in my face but uh, they're going. Yeah, <laughs> they're all going. They're talking about booths that they're working at with their publishers and stuff. And um, you know, I no, I'm not going. Nice. <laughs> not this year, anyway. Um, just no, no. Next year, I I plan to. Um, I actually haven't been to a con at all yet as a as a vendor. So next year, I'm gonna hit all, all right. cons I can. Get on it. Yeah, totally. Fantastic. Um, well, yeah. Best of luck with that, and best of luck with Midnight Highway. Um, for issue two and beyond Um, and uh, yeah thanks again for for being on the show thanks appreciate it thanks again to mike for being on comics for the apocalypse it was an absolute pleasure 
If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will any me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Mike's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.